0: We want to show the real side of small business, the true small business life. There are a lot of misconceptions about small business and we want to give you a glimpse into the real life of a small business owner, the highs, the lows, the failures, the successes, the full small business life story so that you too can know that you are not alone on your small business journey and so that you can see the journey that many other small business owners have taken themselves Remember to like, share, and comment so that many others can share in the small business life story. Hello, Dr. Shaw. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing?
1: I am wonderful, John. Thank you so much for having me. An absolute oh, honor and pleasure.
0: Oh, thanks for carving out time. I know you got a lot going on right now. Just maybe one or two things. So I appreciate you taking the time. Just,
1: <laughs> just, just one or two things. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Who keeps life fun.
0: So please, we've had a chance to communicate and get to know each other a little bit. But for those listening who don't know you, who is Dr. Shaw?
1: So I am Dr. Shaw. I am getting ready to start a brand new chiropractic office in North Dallas. By the name of Inspired Chiropractic, so I'm a chiropractor, and I've been a lifelong student, and now I am ready to serve. You know, on our website and everything, there is a funny tagline that I added to our bio where it says that Dr. Shaw is Dallas to the bone. Man, <laughs> I I am as Dallas as they come, and I forget about that until I actually travel up north, and all the yalls start coming on. I'm like, man, I am very southern.
0: Oh, but- it, i will tell you, there's something charming about the Texan accent. So I'll tell you a funny one. Back in January um we're i think we were hosting a seminar on something and our founder is up in illinois and uh we were talking about you know different things afterwards he was like you know y'all have a great day and i was just like okay just a minute here i just want to say i'm so proud that i'm finally rubbing off on you and that you let out of y'all there
1: absolutely it's just you know what's funny is i run into this thing especially with networking right now where i refer to everybody as sir and ma'am and i'm like man that's just the southern in me it's just the way we were raised and it has nothing to do with the age difference just you know no matter who i'm talking to if i want to give them a little bit of love and respect i'll refer to them as sir and ma'am and i think we had that in our interaction as well when we met the first time i kept calling you sir
0: <laughs> exactly it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's so true though but to your point that does play into the whole business environment and business culture that you're in because as the old saying goes when in rome do is the romans do you have to be able to adapt to where and meet them where they are so to speak and you know here in texas that that's that's the way you do it and a little extra little extra manners goes a long way a little extra etiquette nice
1: yeah it's just one of those things where it's like i definitely like how we are as southerners we are definitely more about relationships Mm. rather than just numbers you know we actually i just signed up for insurance through somebody in my bni group actually who just being transparent was not the best rate we were given but because i know who he is as a person i trust him we have a great relationship he was a person there was no question about it and that's kind of the same thing we're bringing to this thing where it's like i am your chiropractor Mm -hmm. So we want to have that relationship.
0: Well, that plays right into the business model, too, that every small business owner has to create and really identify. And especially when you're talking, like you know, your customer journey mapping, who is that ideal customer? There are entities out there that are very, very transactional. It's about the immediate sale, it's a short customer life cycle, but they just turn them and burn them. But then there's that other business model, the one that you like and that you have, the one that we like and that we have. It's much more relational. It's about engagement, it's about trust, it's about enjoying. Uh, the business relationship and having mutual benefit from it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, there's a lot of times people will have just like this business model where it's just like, they just want numbers after numbers after numbers. And after a couple of weeks, they run into this brick wall because it burned through all their leads. (laughs) And that's not what we're about, right? You know, we don't have leads. We have references. You know, I don't even call my, this is the only time you'll hear me say the word. I don't even call them patients. They're practice members. You know, Mm -hmm. we're people, we're meeting people where they're at. And that's kind of what we're about. when it comes to networking, comes out to starting a business, that's all we're trying to do, which is why the McGraw Council for me has been so cool. Such a great opportunity to come across where it's like, you know, we're treating people like people. And it's kind of, it's kind of lost on the world right now.
0: And I think that you bring up a good point because it's not like you have your business absent of metrics. That's not the point, but it's not about just logging a checkbox on the metric. It's about what produces the metric. Is it a quality metric? Are you achieving your vision as a business within those metrics? Because if you're not achieving the vision that you set out to do, because you have a really, and I do want to talk about this here in a minute, you have a very big vision for what you want to do. You don't want to just be a nine to five, you know, for lack of a better term, chiropractor. You have a, big big vision a very deep compelling convicting why um, and when you have that yeah everyone that comes through it's like yes this is moving me one step towards one step closer towards what i want this entity to be
1: yeah and that's something we read i i'm a big reader i think we talked about that there was a book that was recommended to me called conscious capitalism it's a great book i just finished it recently and one of the things that really really stuck out to me is it says businesses don't fail because they lack numbers or customers or clients. They fail because they lose their purpose and they lose their why. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing that we're here. It's like, man, I, I wish I could do this for free. <laughs> if I'm on the lottery tomorrow, nobody would ever get charged because our why is so much greater. And I think people in Dallas have really, really seen that. And that's what we are resonating. That's, why people are excited about our startup because we are coming with a purpose we are coming with a direction and we have a huge direction that we're heading towards to leave a landmark impact on this community
0: and i i do want to hear more about that too because you really brought up a good point there when you're talking about you know conscious capitalism if you could you would do it for free you've got that deep compelling why when people open up a business just to make a buck it Always fails. It always fails. Every there's, time. There's no real why. There's no what gets you out of bed every day, but it's always just to make another buck. That's a very short-lived vision that dies off very quickly. But when it's the deep conviction, and so here's near. Here's the phase in. Tell us about the why of the business. What exactly you're starting? Why is it so different? Why are you so pumped about it? Because everyone's excited about starting a <laughs> business, but I'm telling you, you've yeah. got passion that's like unmatched.
1: Oh man, thank you so much. That's something. <laughs> it's so funny because that's something I keep hearing. It's like, man, your your passion is just coming off the screen. It's because I really, really, deeply care about what we are doing in this community. You know, I find myself at several speaking engagements, and there's one thing that I have been really, really good with is I show up without a script, because I'm not. It's not an act for me. It's it something I'm very, very passionate about. Something I'm honest. You know, it comes from the heart, and I am here to heal our community. And that's what. I have said for a long, long time, and that's what we're here for. And it stands for outside of just chiropractic. So to dive a little bit into where this, like this, why really, really came from is I always wanted to be a doctor growing up, right? When I was five years old, you know, people are like, oh, I want to be a celebrity. Now kids want to be YouTube stars or TikTok stars, whatever that is. I'm 26. And that to me is like so weird that people want to be just famous. You know, nobody wants to be famous for the right reasons, but for me... I wanted to be a doctor always. And the reason why I always wanted to do that was I was like, what's the greatest good I can do? And that would be by helping people and saving lives. And then I came across, I stumbled across chiropractic, or realistically, my uncle stumbled across chiropractic. He fell down the stairs pretty bad and uh, ended up, he had these stairs, which were like wooden stairs. So there was like, you know, like sharp, sharp cutoffs ended up lodging directly into his spine, ended up being bedridden for about eight, nine months. And his chiropractor was the one who really, really helped him out. So he introduced me to it. And once I dove into it, man, I was just completely sold on the mission. I had found my calling, I had found my why. About two years ago, I did a mission trip in Mexico where I was helping out for a week long, just serving chiropractic for, you know, without a charge or anything like that. And there was a funny phrase that came back for me as I started laughing at a point, and somebody was like, Dr. Shaw, why are you laughing? And I said this out loud to every single person there, was I was like, I cannot believe that people will pay me to do this because we are out here helping people and changing their lives. And that's really the why, and that's what stands out to people, is like people generally see through that conviction and we're just here to help.
0: Well, that's also a great telltale sign when you ask, you know, if this is something you – is this something you would do if you had no financial gain from it whatsoever? When the answer is an immediate, oh, absolutely, no question. Yeah. You're in the right spot precisely. So I do I do have a question for you here because you, you're obviously really knowledgeable. You obviously have the passion. Why jump straight into business? Very often what we see for a small business owner, they get into a business, they work there for 15 years or so. Then they're like, you know what? Now I feel good about this. Now I'm going to go start my own thing. You have such a crystal clear vision. I guess how and why so early?
1: I think a lot of it comes from just it's really weird using the word experience because I'm latching onto to experience of other people, right? A lot of times what you see with really, really driven and passionate people is they will go and work for other people who don't really understand their passion, their drive, and they lose their why. And I did not want that happening to me. So, yes, it's a lot more riskier going into a small business. You know, I don't need to tell you that <laughs> starting a small business is very, very um, – I'll say it's fun. I won't say it's difficult because that's a given, but it's incredibly fun. But because I didn't want my why getting driven by somebody else and I really wanted to stay focused on what I was doing and why I was doing it. And being a small business owner allows me to do that and dedicate my time and resources and attention to the way that I want to.
0: And then you can also kind of build the culture around that why. I mean, again, there there are definitely benefits and advantages to being an employee and working for someone else. But one of the disadvantages is that you're not really controlling that organization, you can influence it, you can contribute to it for sure, you can still be a leader within that organization. But when you own the business, you set the tone, you are the captain of the ship.
1: And that's really what it is. It's like, I remember a while ago, we were talking about this earlier, I help out students a lot. And I had a student ask me a question a while ago. They were like, Dr. Shaw, what is something you look for when you're taking interviews and people? And one thing that we are instilling in our employees from day one, you know, we call them chiropractic assistance, is this is not a job. That's not okay. what this is. This is a mission. We're on a mission to help people. And I told them like, hey, I know we have specific clinic hours, but sometimes you're here a lot longer. Sometimes you're here a lot earlier because this is a mission that we're on to help people. And that's the culture we're trying to build. And you know, I said that thing earlier, I can't believe I get paid to do this. That is a culture we want in every single person in our organization to have at all times, that it is an honor and a privilege to help people in this community.
0: And that's again, that's a vision that people can rally, rally behind. That's it's broad enough to do everything you need it to do, but it's also crystal clear <laughs> enough to where everyone knows exactly what you're saying. Because if the vision takes three minutes to rattle off, it's too complex of a vision. It might be more of a plan <laughs> yeah. where something it needs a vision needs to have clarity, it needs to be achievable, it, but it also needs to stretch you. And so you have something like you said, we want to heal Dallas, for example. Yeah. That's a prime vision, that, that's an immediate pass fail test right off the bat. Anyone that comes to work with you, are they working towards that vision, or are they looking for that job?
1: Yeah, I don't even say that word, so don't even say it. <laughs> and that's you know, that's all what it's about. It's just being completely focused to your missions, and I think people really resonate with that. And there's a phrase that a lot of small business owners will say is we what's the word? be hire slow, but fire fast. And it doesn't have to do with we're getting rid of these people. It has to do with we want the right people on our teams at yes. all times. It's
0: so true. We just talked about this the other day. I mean, I, we could literally probably talk for hours upon hours about this subject alone. Yep. The worst thing you can do is bring someone that is counter to your organizational culture, that Toxifies and poisons your culture. It kills everything that you've built. It contaminates the great people that you have. And as every true small business leader knows, the greatest assets in an organization, it's going to be the people. The people are what drive it. Yes, you absolutely have to get the hard assets and the assets that have a monetized value, but the culture is what's going to make it go forward and what's going to hold it together. Because when you have that culture rallying around that vision all of the other pieces will come together. It might be a little messy at times in terms of organizational structure, but you can work on that and improve it. If you don't have the vision, if you don't have the people, it doesn't matter what process you have. It's going to get screwed up.
1: Absolutely. And that's really what we're all about is staying focused completely true to the mission repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. You know, we have these little nuances that we use in our procedures as well. You know, nobody answers the phone at Inspire Chiropractic with their name. We say, hey, this is Dr. Schauffer Inspired Chiropractic. How may I serve you? You know, We have this mission that we're pushing throughout every single day, every single procedure, every single thing that we do in this office. And I think it's building this culture around. And I think it's going to pay off, but I'm actually ready to talk shop about a startup, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it's such a fun time. Fire away.
0: So talk a little bit about that startup process because, as you know, being a small business owner, you have to create a system. It's not just about doing the chiropractic work. Yes, that's the operation of it, and that's a very important part of it. It needs to be excellent in every way. However, if it's not a process, if it's not a system, you can never scale it beyond Dr. Shaw. What what does that kind of look like in startup mode, building up that set of processes? And early on, as we all know, it's not like everyone's going to have all the answers there, but what are you looking for as you go through that process?
1: I think humility is one of the biggest things that small business owners have to get. One thing that a lot of small business want to get away from is sales but anybody that's a small business man i'm a chiropractor i do sales every single person is selling something it's either a product or a service and that's something you have to be really really honest about is why people are coming into your doors and why people are exchanging goods and services for what you are doing it just has to do with sales so yes i i always say this and i'll you know john you're gonna hear this from me being a doctor in the clinic guys don't let any doctor fool you being a doctor in the clinic is the easiest job out there Because we go to school the whole time to really, really learn and expert our craft. So when it comes time to be a doctor in the clinic, man, that's, I can do that with my eyes closed. You know, you don't want me to, but I can do it with my eyes closed. But it's the people, the systems and procedures that end up being the hardest, hardest part which is why even though we're about three, four months from opening, you know, I am at this common desk every single day, really, really nailing down the systems and procedures. Okay, what's going to happen when somebody walks in the door with this? What's going to happen with this? You have to basically control, try your best to control all the blind spots where it comes to mm-hmm. the customer interaction. And that's For, the fun part. It's
0: a fun and it's a challenging part. It's a good challenge, but it's Absolutely a challenge because there, there will be a general template for you to follow. That's you know the standard operating procedure, which again, a small business owner, if you don't have that get that implemented ASAP. Most of everything you'll see will fit right in that template and it's going to flow through just as planned. It's going to be perfect. You'll have some variable number that goes outside of that template for whatever reason. Maybe it's something that you haven't ever seen before. Maybe it's something that's you know a 5% occurrence, but they came to you because so-and-so recommended them to you. There's going to be this variance and then you can deal with that, and create a system for that type of variance and plug in. So it's, it's almost like an if this, then we do this uh, type of procedure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing is that small business owners, I have found myself, especially with finishing up school, trying to figure out how we're going to start this. One thing people are really, really bad about is having systems and procedures and part of systems and procedures comes with scripts for some reason i'm not sure what classes i'm not sure what jobs we all went through before we came where we are but people hate scripts and it makes no sense to me because once we're diving into this thing where it's like you start realizing that for example you as a business owner have the most experience going into your business as far as comes to your field but when it comes to hiring employees when it comes to hiring different partners all the different stuff they may not know as much as you do so how do you delegate that information to every single person which is where scripts are so important scripts systems and procedures man we have a script from day one to day 100 you know picking up the phone when they walk in the door what's the first thing what's the first thing that the patient sees what is the first thing that we say you Mm -hmm. know we take them on a tour we give them a different console we do this and I'm talking about not only do our CAs our chiropractic assistant have scripts myself as a doctor I have a script that we use for our people because we want to make sure that every single practice member that walks through Inspired Chiropractic is getting the exact same information every single time.
0: Exactly. And it's that repeatable, predictable experience that doesn't matter if Dr. Shaw is there in person or if it's Dr. Shaw's assistant, they're going to get the exact same treatment. They're going to get the exact same service. They're going to get the exact same level of excellence because it's not that you're creating a system of robots. You're creating a system with people carrying out these operations, but it's something that if a customer comes back, they can expect the exact same experience that they experienced the first time which is why they're back for second time, or third time, or even, especially in your line of work, many, many times beyond yeah, time number sure. three. Because so if the, every time they come back, it's a different experience, it's come kind of a okay. I'm not sure. I'm totally cool with this. And that's again, put yourself in the customer's shoes. We small business owners very often don't like change. They like to get in that. Hey, I know this. I don't want to change it. It's the exact same thing for your customers. So you need to control that experience and get, just like you said, get those standard operating procedures, get those scripts.
1: Absolutely. it becomes like one of those like open world games where it's like it's open world, but it's really not, you know, you're being guided along this process where it's like the biggest example I give people is, hey, if you go to Olive Garden, I go to Olive Garden, I've been going since I was 12 years old, I've got a fettuccine Alfredo every single time since I've been there since I was 12 years old, because people as a whole do not like change. So if you have systems procedures that are reproducible, but more importantly, scalable, it's a great user experience for every single person involved and that way you can grow into what we have a vision for a multi-practice facility and we can do that with the same procedure every single time where it doesn't matter if you shift to this location or this location you see dr shah maybe feature dr john it doesn't matter it's the exact same experience every single time
0: Exactly. Because you can't heal Dallas with just one person. I mean, it's it's a great vision, but you need to grow beyond one person. And that's why you have things like the business plan, like the operating procedures, like the script. So you can bring people into the team and say, hey, this is what we're all about. This is what we want to be. This is how we're going to do it. And that's where it comes into play. It's not meant to be a stifling control mechanism. It's, a, it's an, an enabler. It enables you to scale your business to deliver that repeatable, predictable experience.
1: It's more than just enabling, John. I think it's also empowering. You know, Agreed. one thing I said to my staff members, I was like, I will take away all the guesswork in this whole JOB from you guys. You know, we're going to put down every single system's procedures. And once you guys nail this, this is where your individual personality comes out. And I want it to come out. I want to see how you do things. But with this umbrella to fall on every single time, and you have the systems and procedures that you can rely on, no matter what questions get thrown your way, you have a strong foundation. And that's really what systems and procedures end up being. It's the foundation of the house that your business will be built upon. And I think small business owners really, really try to get away from it. And it's just not a good thing, guys.
0: It's really not. And This gets into a little bit of you know a speculative area. But I think a lot of the reasons why small business owners kind of fear that is because they're like, hey, there's a reason I left my my you know, employment. I want the creativity. I like every day being a new day. Believe me, even if you have a rock solid process in there, every day will be a new day. It's a business level. <laughs> Believe me. With that being said, though, you can't take that business to a real business level. Without that, you've got more of a gig. You've got more of a side hustle. And again, if that's what you want, that's okay, cool. but realize the limitations of that. If you want the, the business to achieve To be something that enables you or empowers you to achieve your dreams. To be that sole source of income for you and your family. Yeah, you have to run it like a business. You have to have it structured. You have to have it scalable, repeatable, predictable.
1: And let's remember we talked about this uh, over coffee, where there's a difference between having a gig, having a job, and having a business. If you have to show up every single day for your business to generate an income, yeah, it's cool to call it a business, but it really, really ends up becoming a job. And I'm sorry to the listeners, I will never say that word.
0: <laughs> you keep okay, so you, so that uh, uh, both Emeth just really talked about that so so well. Uh, I was raised in a small business environment, so I kind of like got it for lack of a term at a young age. Uh, but he the author really really did a nice job he he was like too many small business owners start a business and what they envision is i'm going to say the three-letter word sorry They, they envision owning a job rather than owning a business and that is such an important differentiating factor because yes you can have your own business entity but if you're not if you don't have it structured if you don't have that process if you don't have those procedures in place it's really more of just owning a job and that's greatly limiting what you can do you won't have the same fulfillment that you really want unless it's again unless it's tr- you truly just want a side hustle or a gig that that's okay but really re- realize and understand the limitations of that because once you get three four years down the road you can you it, it's never too late to make your business better but you're gonna have a little bit of a rebranding process to go through because you will have an you will be associated with the gig business with the gig entity and that again has its own set of limitations.
1: Well, that's the problem we run into where we were talking about you end up losing your why. If you're always worried about, if you are the person who has to be at your business every single time for your business to generate money, you are in a stage where you are always worried about income. You're worried about sustaining your business, and it's a very, very quick way to lose your why. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, we run into this problem with chiropractic profession a lot where... Young doctors will start off these extensive, you know, 4,000 square foot, 5,000 square foot practices and their overhead with employees, all the different stuff is so through the roof that even though they're fantastic chiropractors, fantastic doctors, because they mismanaged it, they end up losing their why. And now they're trying to figure out, okay, what other services can I provide in here to generate a little bit extra bucks? You know, like I have a joke that I use with my practice number all the time. I was like, you will never be sold a care plan because I need to pay a car payment. (laughs) You know, That's not what it's about. But yeah, unfortunately, if you don't have a set of procedures, you end up eventually falling down that line. It, and it's, it, it's just unfortunate.
0: It's so true. I mean, one of the common um, – they call it the three Ps in business. It's people, products, or, or process. 99.99% of the time when a business isn't where it could or should be, it's going to be one of those three things. Typically, it's not going to be a product problem because the person who starts a business, they're typically pretty passionate about it. They're not usually bad at what they do. More often than not, it tends to fall into a process problem. And then once once you get two of those stools figured out, though, then it's just a matter of getting it aligned. But that's, again, con- focus on what you can control the most. And early on, that's going to be the people. It's going to be the process. And the product's naturally going to fall into place because you're probably going to have a background in there. It's going to be a no brainer Because if you if you can't deliver on the product, you're nowhere near ready to go start a business.
1: And that's a problem we run into with a lot of like you know youngsters in Dallas. Everybody wants to be a business owner, and I see that problem in my cousins a lot. For example, and I have like younger cousins who all want to be like business owners. I'm like, oh great, like what's your product? What are you going to sell? What are you going to do? And nobody knows. And I'm like, okay, well you know what? That's the first step. That's the first thing that you want to do. But John, I'm going to piggyback on the whole process thing is process will make a bad product sell but a bad process can never sell a good product you know it's so true it's 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 just it's just a weird thing where it's like you know what's the first thing people do when we look at things right now we look at google reviews google reviews establishes a product but then there's still people who don't deliver on it because they don't have the systems and procedures to actually take care of the different variances that walk in and guys from one startup to all the future startups one business to another it's controlled chaos every single day of the week is' just the way it is you
0: re- you really bring up a good point there because there are so many misnomers about misconceptions about small business I mean we talked about this last time it's like oh you're a business you must be swimming in cash it's like if only or it's like oh you must love the you know the time off you get to take oh you mean you know like the last time I took a vacation three years ago that, yeah that goes with the territory that's what it is yes you have a flexible schedule but that's very different than you know taking oodles and oodles of time off but again back to the whole process thing yes it's going to have an element of something new every day even if you have the process down if you're growing though it's going to be the right unknown if you if you always are really really hunting that next sale and you never know where it's coming from you've got to break down on your process you don't have a process of completing your job of collecting the data that shows you really did excellent superb job on it whatever the product or service might be because then it should translate into a customer journey people become aware of you they start thinking about it they really think about it hard then they buy from you and in a perfect world they come back if you don't have that process in place every day you're going to be looking for okay where's the next sale come from and that's exactly where 80 percent of small businesses fall
1: it's, that, it's the old school mentality, you know, it's like a church, build it and they will come that works for churches, that does not work for small businesses at all.
0: You, you bring up a good point there too, because that used to be the old historical model of of small business, especially like, you know, the restaurant retail. Oh, I'll put up a you know, brick and mortar location, people will see it and they'll come on in. That may have worked back in the day, but it doesn't work anymore. We had a seminar last week, um, it's a three-part series and they're talking about alignment, Um, how... 2020 and COVID really broke a lot of traditional sales models and company models in general. But one of the interesting points they noted for the first time in our American economy, we're a 6G economy, meaning we have six generations participating actively, buying and selling in our economy. The, the simple, straightforward build and they will come model doesn't work because they come from different areas you, you i mean you literally have businesses that are 100 100 e-commerce today and then you have the other end of the extreme where they're 100 not e-commerce brick and mortar but most of them fall into that middle range and that's again it's not as simple as just build and they will come because they're coming from different areas some are coming from and you can digest that even further for example saying they come from the online space is too broad are they coming from facebook youtube google searches being searches are they coming from mailers are they coming from word of mouth what constitutes word of mouth because you have our conversations face-to-face conversations like we're having now or you have social media where they're dropping a review they're talking in the comment section where they come from changes so much or has changed so much even over the last five to ten years more or less the last 30
1: that's been so funny for me because we have a family of business owners in our house and they'll have this advice that they want to give and it comes from a really really good place but you know we have business owners in our family that have retired for the last 20 something years and you know they'll tell us all this advice i'm like you know what that doesn't work anymore it doesn't work like that where it doesn't make sense to a lot of people why even prior to opening why i am out networking meeting so many people doing all these events speaking engagements all different stuff and they're like don't you just want to wait until you're open i'm like if you're first you know, practice member is walking you're, you're. if you're hoping for your first practice member to walk in the door, once you open, it's a little too late because the moment you open your doors and that thing, that's a lot of fault that I see with small businesses is the moment you open your overhead starts day one, mm-hmm. you know, electric gas, Employees, which ends up being one of the biggest overheads that I was not even prepared for. I thought I thought I was the highest paid employee in my business, and it's just like I'm seeing how much I'm having to pay all employees. And it's a great honor to do that, but it's like man, overhead really really stacks up if you're not ready for it. Exactly, you stumbled real quick.
0: It's an additional cost, and it's not it's not a bad cost at all, but it is an expenditure. And you, you know, people kind of phrase they're like, "No, no, it's an investment." Yes, but it's still an expenditure of a specific resource. And we have a finite amount of that resource. We need to make that stretch we need to stretch it and make it last for as long as we can, especially in that early time, because it takes really 12 to 24 months for a small business to get close to profitability, statistically speaking. And that's again, you know, you brought up a really good point I want to elaborate on it a little bit and here you know, from your perspective more because you're actively doing it, getting ahead of the game. People always, you know, I love college football, so I'm gonna use another football example here. People are always talking about why is Alabama so good? You know, oh, they have the best recruits, or they play such a good championship game. No, they win it during the spring and summer practice when they're training with more discipline, with more intensity than anyone else out there. It's the reason why they're always at the top for the last what is it, 15 years now? It, it feels forever.
1: Like, it feels forever.
0: It's always won in that spring and summer practice. The games, the championship, those are just tests. And so, yes, because they put the preparation they pass the test with flying colors. It's the same thing for like what you're doing. And I'd love to hear a little more about uh, the, the process that you have for that, because getting out in front of it, it takes time to build awareness. I mean, if you look at like, you know, conversions and conversion rates, 12 to 18 touch points is kind of like the industry standard converting someone from the first time they hear or see about see you to actually buying a product or service. And that 12 to 18 touch points, that's not really easy to get because it can't just be a you know slap in the face touch point. It needs to catch them at a good time where they're actually seeing it and consciously, consciously touching it, for lack of a better term.
1: Consciously touching it, consciously interacting with it. And that's one thing that we continuously talk about is how are we doing... The next step, you know, how are we converting up from just seeing something to pulling over? And there was an example that we were given a while ago while I was at school at Parker University for my doctorate is marketing, whether it comes to online, Facebook, Instagram, or one to one going on and meeting people. Marketing is the biggest pipe that you are forcing water down, but the mm-hmm. exit is the tiniest hole you've ever seen. Because you end up overstuffing marketing like crazy. It's like, you know, I have to advertise to at least a thousand people and maybe two or three will show up. And that's one thing that I think a lot of businesses are not prepared for. They just think that they're going to go out and market and do all this thing. It's going to be a complete return on investment. For the longest time, investments, just like in stocks, just like in properties, it takes a long time for your investments to turn out. And you have to see the long-term vision. One thing Mm -hmm. my mom keeps making fun of me, she says, I use the word long-term a lot in my life now because everything every single person we're meeting every single contact every single friendship like with you yep. they're long-term place because you're trying to meet these connections to these people and really really trying to establish yourself in the long term it's like maybe 10 years from now 15 years from now Precisely. you know we have this phrase that we say we produce producers you are not my apple you're my apple tree and that's something we do in networking a lot and yeah there's a couple things that i really really wanted to touch on um about just the startup process and how really it gets through. And like, I think we're gonna talk about it where there's just two branches on being a successful, I think being a successful startup is having purpose and having discipline.
0: Please, keep on going, please. That's the perfect <laughs> phase and talk about talk about that process. Cause again, I think this is one of those real moments where people read about it. You can read a textbook. That's all good knowledge. You need to have it, don't get me wrong, but there's a difference in seeing what it actually looks like. So please take it away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think it's a little bit better to talk, having your end game, like have the final vision of what you're trying to establish and working backwards from it. So you guys are going to kind of see the reverse of the end of Dr. Shah's life or what he's planning on doing and how he's going to get there. So long term vision, which is where John and I really, really agreed upon was this thing about healing Dallas and the way we're going to heal our community is in the long term, we want to have five practices which are all going to be supporting a one big research facility, which is going to be set up throughout Dallas, which is going to be for chiropractic care. We're going to basically take people who cannot afford care to show us there is actual financial need and we'll provide them care completely free of charge and basically take care of our people in the city. Now. To have that nonprofit, we need to support it. How are we gonna support it? Okay, we're gonna support it by having these five different practices, which the profits and losses will be made up from that. Okay, great. How are we gonna to get to five practices? That's the next question, right? So first we gotta to get to four, we gotta to get to three. At this point, we're already establishing, okay, whatever system we have is scalable. How do we scale this out? Okay, so we need to have one practice which can reproduce in all these different facilities. So how are we gonna run this practice? Everybody that's been to a chiropractor, there's different things that all chiropractors do. You know, there's the classic manual adjusting, the Things stuff you see on TV all the time. I say the one, the things that Liam Neeson does on Taken all the time the snapping necks, but there's also different techniques like an instrument assisted technique, which is something that I do. So I was like, okay, if I do an instrument assisted technique that is reproducible, no matter who is adjusting, whether it's myself or whether other docs, okay, that's the technique we're going to go down on because that way. If we hire about three, four doctors to fill out the first inspired chiropractic, this is something that's scalable because every single doctor can do the exact same technique. And like we said earlier, you get the same exact experience every single time. Mm -hmm. So now we have the technique that we want to do, right? Okay, how are we going to communicate this information to every single doctor in this thing? We're going to have systems and procedures, which dives into this thing that we do. We call do informed consent in our office. Informed consent basically means it's not a paper. We actually educate you on what's happening with your health, actually educate you on what we need to do. And that procedure comes for not only our practice members but also our doctors. So you have all these different things that you keep continuously scaling back from. It's like, okay, if we want to do this, what is the step below it? If we want to do this, what is the step below it? And in order to open a practice and basically build it, what's the biggest thing we have to do? We have to be able to take care of it. We have to have actual people coming in and out of our doors mm-hmm. to actually take care of this. How are we going to go about to do that? So then we had to come up with a marketing attack. Okay, what are the different marketing things we're gonna do? This is where I think uh, John and I were laughing. He's like, he's like, is there one aspect of this you haven't thought of? And I was like, I think the aspect is what happens is none of this works. But that's not gonna. <laughs> it's not an option. <laughs> but that's not an option, right? As a small business owner, because our purpose is just so much greater. Our why is so big that we're just not gonna let that happen. Mm-hmm. And then you start diving into, okay, what are the different things we're going to do? So ke- we came up with different marketing strategies. And the biggest ones I really, really wanted to talk about is networking. Networking in Dallas has been so incredibly fruitful, especially if in a post-COVID era, you thought you know, there was a mindset that people didn't want to interact with each other. And I think we realized that about one week or two weeks into COVID is we didn't miss concerts. We didn't miss the restaurants. We didn't miss the bars. We missed people you know, we miss interacting with people. So when it came down to networking, Dallas has been incredibly receptive to doing one-to-ones mm. meetings, you know, networking meetings, chamber meetings, the McGraw Council, all the different stuff, because people really, really want to go out. And one thing I will implore small business owners to do is really, really understand that every single person, granted there are exceptions to the rule, most people want to help you. Mm. People really want to help you if you ask them for help and be specific about what you want. Thank you you know, John and I, you have interacted about this plenty of times where I will shoot you a message about a specific want and need that I need that day. You know, if you tell people you just need help, they don't know what to help you with. If you tell them, like, hey, it's way too broad and they want to help you. But it's like, okay, do I give you these thousand resources, which maybe you need none of them? Or do I give you the one resource that you genuinely need? But you have to be specific about what you want.
0: I think that's a really good point, especially in the whole marketing realm. Too often, and I know we talked about this in the past, but too often people are like, "Oh man, I could. I need to know anyone who does this." Or for example, it's like you know, you'll see a realtor, anyone who's buying or selling a home. Okay, let My mind immediately went blank there, so let's narrow this down a little bit. Or it could be, you know, um, a home inspector. Anyone who's buying or selling a home. Okay, I mean, I, again, my mind went blank. They narrowed me down for a little bit. Are we talking apartment? Are we talking townhome? Are we talking? Uh, single family dwelling, duplex, um two thousand square feet. Are you talking a mansion, you know, ten thousand square feet? What's what's your ideal? Yes, you can service all of the above, but you need to have that laser focused ideal target because then you know how to reach out to them through various through your marketing plan.
1: Well, that's where the text enemy comes out. You know, you aim small to big to, what's it? Aim small, miss small. Yes. Like, oh know, yes, exactly. You know, when you shoot at a hundred yards, you don't aim for the whole person. You aim for their nose. You aim for the smallest target because that's how you, you have to have that laser focus. And that's really what we start diving into it. And it really, really dives into, you know, meeting people. One thing I will say that I have been on the receiving end of this myself and I'm not sure if turn off is the, appropriate way as a business owner to use but i think i'm just going to say it but the reality is when somebody comes to you from just hey i need this i need that i need this it ends up not really working out because you want to be able to help people people are hardwired and this is where the doctor in me comes out people are hardwired to reproduce uh what you're what you're giving them you know that's how conversation works have you ever shared a secret and they give a secret back yep it's not just how conversation works because that's how people work people want to relate so if you want to Get help in the city, guys. I cannot emphasize enough, be the help. Be the person that these people can reach out to no matter what they need. You know, step up. I continuously find myself saying this to young students that I help out. Leaders do not have titles. Leaders are just leaders. You, know step, so you know, step up where help is needed. Go out and meet people. You know, I am involved with a business network group uh, called BNI. I am in charge of all the happy hours. And that's not something that was the easiest like, or the most fun thing to do. But I just took that initiative, and now they all know that, hey, the reason why we all meet first Friday of the month is because Dr. Shaw went out of his way to do that for us.
0: It's all about the, you know, the Zig Ziglar stuff, the John Maxwell stuff. I mean, the, whole, you, you, the key to getting anything you want in life is to just help other people get what they want from Zig Ziglar. Um, uh, one of my favorite books by Maxwell, I think it was actually the first Maxwell book I read was 360 Degree Leadership. And back to your whole point, leadership isn't a title. That's one of the most hollow things you will find out there leadership is about influence the ability to influence others and empower them not manipulate but influence them positively to help them achieve their goals servant leadership and when you adopt that servant leader mindset your cap your ceiling so to speak just explodes your potential is so
1: much more i absolutely This is why Johnny and I know you and I are gonna be such lifelong friends, Or You talk about serving leaders, all the different things, and that's just the mindset I find myself continuously on. And when it comes as a small business, you guys are growing into hiring employees. That's one thing you really, really wanna do is how can you help these people achieve their dreams? I know there's sometimes people are like, okay, where do you see yourself in five years? And if they say anything except that at your practice or your small business, and you think that's a bad thing, no, it's not guys. It means that that person is driven and it's your responsibility as a leader to have the time that you have with them, to not only have them contribute to your organization, but to train them into what they want to be. You know, when we had our conversation with the two girls that we hired, I was like, what is the long-term thing? Why are you in the field that you're in? Because she was originally a CNA. She was a certified nurse assistant. I asked her, is certified nurse assistant the dream or was it, is this a means to an end? And she told me that she wanted to serve people. And I'm like, great, I have a great JOB for you. And but we're if- gonna bring it, <laughs> see? I didn't slip up there. Either. Yeah, yeah like, I know. Like, I that. Like, <laughs> but I mean,
0: it's, again, you bring up a great point too. When you're asking those questions, what you're really looking for is this person a good fit to our culture? Are they living the same values that we live by? Um, at, I mean, it's part of what we are part of our value system here at McGraw, it's excellence, it's servant leadership, it's serving a service to others. If someone comes in, uh, into our system, so to speak, and they don't share those values, it doesn't matter how talented and skilled they are. It's not a good fit. And it's the same thing for your business. If they're not looking to help heal other people in some shape, way or form, it's not a good fit. It doesn't matter how talented they are. It's not going to fit to your culture. And you're going to end up you're going to the result's going to be a very toxic work environment.
1: Absolutely. And you know, we go, we take it even a step further. We're not even empowering our employees. We actually empower our practice members. Mm-hmm. I am incredibly bold about asking our practice members to refer people in. And one thing that we say is look at the healing that has happened for you, how can you go about your day knowing there's people who actually need help and you have not sent them in here? And I am honestly that bold about it. You know, with children, I love children. I'm a great pediatric doc. You know, we do this when we're talking to adults, we find out that they have children. I'm like, the same place that you are in right now, your children will be in 20 years. And I know Mm -hmm. as a parent, you do not want that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to reschedule this for tomorrow and you're going to bring your daughter in next time. And we're going to take care of them as well.
0: And again, that's the back to that whole, why are you in business? Having that process laid out so you can scale your business and having the value system down. Because if you're not delivering an excellent product or service, yeah, you can't do that. But when you are truly delivering something that's excellent and you're helping um, your customer, for lack of a better term, achieve what they need to achieve, that's a mutually beneficial transaction. That's what it's all about. And when that takes place, absolutely, you need to be bold in there. Again, there's nothing wrong with making the ask. You. If you don't ask, ask. you can't expect it to come your way. You either have to go hunt it or you have to ask for it. And that's a prime situation where, yes, you've delivered something to them, went above and beyond their expectations. Make the ask. They'll do it for you.
1: And people will. And hey, that's one thing that small businesses a lot of times don't. I don't know, maybe there's a fear associated with it, but people just don't want to ask. You know, we see this in relationships all the time. You know, you don't want to ask your girlfriend something because you're scared she's going to say no. And then you finally muster up the courage to ask her about it. And she says yes. And it's like, wow, I could have asked this weeks ago. It's the same way with your practice members, the same way with your customers. Make the ask be specific about what you want. Mm -hmm. When you tell them, for example, you need a referral, you know, every business needs a referral. Tell them exactly what you want. I don't need somebody buying a house. I need somebody who's looking between $300,000 to $400,000 worth of house. They want a three-bedroom house because they have two kids. Great. I know exactly who to all send you to.
0: Exactly. And then when that time, even if they don't know someone that day, when, they, when that opportunity comes up, it's going to be teed up perfectly for you. And you're not going to have to make a sale, so to speak. You're going to have a solution lined up. It's going to be super, super
1: perfect. It also ends up being funny because I'm sure you've experienced this. If I tell somebody I need a family with three kids, they go around and ask for you. They'll actually be like, hey, how many kids do you have? And then they'll reach out to you be like, hey, doc, uh, there's a family. They only have two kids. Do you think you can help them? Absolutely. But because you told them a specific thing, they're actually going out to be specific and find that thing for you. And one thing that you can really, really do that I realized through my chiropractic training is empower people with so-called secrets and for the podcast listen that was a quotation mark which um, if you tell somebody a secret you know what they do they tell other people mm-hmm. so if there's something you need and you're like you know what john i don't really tell this to a lot of people but because you and i have a special relationship this is what i'm going to tell you and you tell them a quick trip or a quick technique they will go and tell every single person that they know because now they know something that other people don't it's mm-hmm. just how humans work guys <laughs>
0: it, it, it's so true and again it's, it's about people at the end of the day is about people. You know, it's hard to believe, oh, Dr. shovel we've already gone through about three fourths of this or more. Oh. We're down to the last 10, 15 minutes. This one went quickly. So, a little bit of a quick transition here. We might have to have a podcast number two.
1: Oh, man.
0: Based upon what you've accomplished thus far and where you're going, given that you're in startup mode, based upon what you've learned, what you've done, what are three things that you would recommend to small business owners?
1: So, I actually wrote these out uh, the moment I sat down. So, I'm going to go a little bit out of order. So the very first thing you need to do is you need to surround yourself with mentors. I cannot emphasize that enough. A lot of small businesses go in completely blinded. They have no directions. And the best way I can say surround yourself with mentors is envision who you want to be and then figure out who in your life or even outside of your immediate circle, who is living that life. What are they doing? And reach mm-hmm. out to them. You know, I have a mentor who's about 15 years into practice, has been seeing thousands and thousands of patients year after year. I reached out to him and I was like, hey, Dr. Visk. I want to be like you when I grow up. And he was like, I'm old. I didn't even realize it. (laughs) But the thing was, and he took me under his wing. And that's how a lot of small businesses need to do. You need to find a business who is doing something similar or a person who's doing something similar and absolutely surround yourself with those mentors who will keep you accountable, who will not let you have dwell on the bad days because highs and lows. And I think we didn't even really get to talk about highs and lows that much. I know. Um, I think we'll be able to, uh, because the three tips that I have are pretty quick about this kind of stuff. But yes, surround yourself with mentors. Make sure there's people that you can look up to and people that can hold you accountable for everything that you're doing. So that'll be tip number one. Tip number two, this is diving into the lows. So I have a system called the forge. So I pretend I am making a sword and I have to be inside a forge to basically get the small business started. I don't know if you guys make a sword, but a forge is really, really hot. And the phrase is, you have to feel the heat because there's a lot of lows associated with a small business owners oh, there's, there's a lot of downtimes. there's a lot of bad days because it's just part of the process you know i wish it was 100 perfect every single day of the week but it's not there's a lot of bad days but there's a lot of good days too and when it, when the going gets tough you know it's the thing that tough got going because you got to keep going and you have to feel the heat but you have to understand that is part of the system that's part of the procedure that is what sharpens and strengthens your sword in the forge so you have to feel the heat
0: That's so true. It's the same thing with working out. If you're not sweating, if you're not a little bit sore, you didn't go hard enough. You're not going to see the results that you really want. It's the same thing with business. If you're not stretching yourself, if if it's not hard, you're not going to get where you want to go.
1: Absolutely. And the last thing I will say as a tip is passion will only get you so far. You have to have discipline. Discipline is what will get you to the end. Um, there's a great book that I will empower every single person listening to this reading. There's a book called Discipline Equals Freedom. And that he talks about passion is what gets you started. Passion is what gets you up on the good days. But discipline is what keeps you going on the bad days. Because there's a lot of times, and you know, we're just really transparent, especially because we're talking to small business owners. We found out two months prior to opening that we lost all of our funding. We had a bank at Cold Feet. We lost all of our funding. And I remember I sat here actually just right across the there. And I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, what is the point? You know, why am I still at this office? Let's just go home. And I was like, you know what? No, let's keep going. And we kept going and we actually have secured our funding again at this time. At this time we have it in papers. At this time it's done and taken care of. But that's the part of it where it's like you have to be disciplined. You have to know what you're doing and you have to keep going. Because guys, at the end of the day. You will never know if you did too much, but you will 100% know if you did not do enough.
0: And that's one of the worst regrets you can live with. Looking back going, shoot, I didn't give everything I could have. And not achieving your dream, that's one of the worst feelings you can have. Whereas if something doesn't pan out and you look back and you go, you know, I gave everything I absolutely had. I did everything I absolutely could. You can hold your head up high. But I will say, again, 99% of the time, whenever you give everything you truly have, whenever you give everything you truly can give... You're probably going to make it just fine.
1: I think it's just because one of those things where it's like it's a funny joke because I think we talked about this. I'm a huge Marvel fan where (laughs) at the end of Endgame, at the beginning of Endgame, they're trying to go back to Thanos and whatnot. Sorry, guys. Dr. Shaw is a nerd. It's just the way it is. That's what became a doc where Captain America is looking at this little watch, and he says, I know it's going to work because I don't know what I'm going to do when it's not. Because that's the mindset that you find yourself as small business owners, because this is your dream. This is what you're working towards. It has to work. Mm-hmm. And it works when you work it. You know, we say there's no chance for failure because we don't leave things up to chance when it comes to small business. When you're at a JOB, it's a lot easier to kind of goof off, kind of slack off. You know, somebody else will take care of it. When it's your practice, when it's your business, when it's your dream. If you're not going to be working for it, why would other people? Amen. Amen.
0: So we're going to flip this around a little bit. Typically, that's where we end the podcast. But because this has been so good, I do want to hear just a little bit real quick about some of those highs and lows. Just again, personify and make it um, very real for those listening.
1: I think one of the... uh, Do you want to do the highs first or the lows?
0: Oh, let's do the lows first so we finish on a high note.
1: Let's do the lows first. So one of the funniest things that has happened to me as a young dog, and every single small business owner can relate with this, is your family will never take you seriously. It's just the way it is. Um, I think the quicker you embrace that, I think the better off you'll be. Because, you know, you'll have yourself, like myself, in the opportunity that you're getting on a podcast talking to other small business owners but to your family you're still just Shaw they don't even call me Dr. Shaw you know they call me just Shaw and that ends up a lot of times being a very, very demoralizing because you have other people who are kind of believing in your dream who are rallying behind you but sometimes family can be a little bit difficult but I want you guys to be empowered with this idea it's not that they don't believe in you it's just the vision for them is a little bit different and I think where I was lacking originally was I wasn't communicating my vision Too directly about what I really, really wanted. And I had this mindset that you're my family, you should just support me versus with other people where I'm painting this full picture. And now that I've started painting a full picture, it's getting a little bit better. Mm -hmm.
0: Boy, that's a Um, really good point, too. That's a really good one.
1: (laughs) I'm glad. Um, Another low would be. You end up doing everything, guys. You will see these people, you know, I made a joke about it a while ago. BuzzFeed made an article. They were like, this 22-year-old CEO does this, just 24-year-old CEO does that. And I had to make a post about it. And I was like, when you are your business owner, you are whatever you want to be. You can be a CEO, CFO, president, his high almighty. I am the admiral king of Inspire Chiropractic because you are the end-all be-all. And sometimes it can be a low, but I also want you to turn around to a positive, and this is where we'll turn into a high note as well, that you are the one who's running everything. So it ends up being the picture you're trying to paint, but you have to be willing to do every single aspect of it. You know, I had to learn how to network. I had to learn how to market. I had to learn how to do social media. And, you know, I talked to one of our mutual friends, Preston Reddington, who runs a digital marketing company, and I was exchanging notes with him. And he's like, how do you know this? And I'm like, because you have to learn. Mm-hmm. you know um, so it's not really a low it turns kind of into a high point but
0: it's one of those high low mixes the low is that yeah you have to put in the time to learn everything so where other people are checking out at five o'clock on a friday they're gonna have their friday night fun you're probably going home to get a little more research done check out about nine or ten o'clock at which point you crash for a couple hours and you get up early saturday morning get back at it again but again that's also the high though because when it turns around you fast forward a few years that other comparison individual, Joe Smith, whatever you want to name him, they're still at that nine to five. But you've got something built. You've got that business running. You're achieving your vision. It's a long term investment.
1: It's a long term investment, and you know we keep saying this nine to five. I think as small business owners, we can tell there is no such thing as nine to five as a startup. You know, I don't track time anymore. They're just days at this point because the reality is when it's your baby, when it's your child, when it's your dream, the work you're putting in, you know, it's going to pay off. You know, a while ago, I found myself working at like 2 a.m. one time. I'm just working on these couple of scripts, couple of this. I'm trying to figure out which insurance networks to be in, all the different stuff that I had to do. And mom walks in, she's like, Shalei, come on, like go to bed. You know, why are you working this hard? And I'm like, mom, it's hard to sleep when you're living your dream. Exactly. it, It really is. And I think you have to really, really... Uh, I guess, like, enjoy the beauty of it. Don't be stressed about, hey, you know, there's people who are vacationing right now doing this. But guys, just remember, those people have, it's the time I'm going to say it, those people have jobs. You have a purpose. You have a mission that you're doing because I don't think there's any small business out there that is there to just make a quick buck. I think we're all there to make a difference and we have a purpose in why we do things.
0: Exactly. You have a crystal clear laid out of strong vision. You develop a plan to get there. You develop the processes to support that. And then you go out and you make it happen. You continually monitor it to make sure that it, in fact, does happen. Absolutely. So true. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, yeah. out of the crazy startup <laughs> schedule. to got kind of to share what that journey looks like from the inside. It, it definitely helps give the listeners perspective of what it's like to start a business. And you know, I think for those in business, a great perspective of what it looks like starting business now, because that's obviously changed over the last you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Then, of course, those three tips that you have. You know, looking for good mentors when you feel the heat, it's a good thing, and really, you know, ensuring discipline that those are all very applicable small business owners can apply today. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute honor and pleasure. And, you know, I'm going to reach out to you when I need something, and I want to empower all the listeners to do that as well. I am at your service every every time of the day.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Shaw. You stay safe, stay blessed, and we'll connect again soon.
1: Absolutely. Take care, guys.